0: You are listening to the DFJ Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find podcasts and videos of these lectures online at ecorner.stanford.edu. Welcome to a special edition of the DFJ Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Lecture Series. This episode coincides with the launch of the Global Innovation Tournament, which is hosted by STVP. During the week-long competition, students around the world are challenged to make saving money fun. Intuit is the generous sponsor of this international event. Our guest speakers today are award-winning music producer Quincy Delight Jones III, known as QD3, and Grammy award-winning rap artist Chameleon Air. To set the stage, Stanford president, John Hennessy, talks about the importance of having an entrepreneurial mindset to solve big problems and to make amazing things happen.
1: This is special for a lot of reasons. We've got uh, a couple of people for you to get to know later in the uh, program. But first of all, you may know this person. This is president John Hennessy. Let's bring him out. Thanks, Tom. Well, welcome everyone. How do we change the world? How do we make it better? How do we think about solving the massive problems we have around the world? We think outside the box. We bring innovation. We bring new approaches. We bring an entrepreneurial mindset to things. And I think that kind of thinking is what shapes the world. It certainly changed my life and it changed Silicon Valley. More than 20 years ago, when I sat down with a group of graduate students and just said, It's going to be possible to build a computer on a single chip. What does this mean for the world? How does it change the way we should think? How should it shape the way in which computers are designed? That kind of thinking, that kind of thinking outside the box. I still remember back many years ago when I got called over to a trailer, a trailer where a few graduate students were sitting. I went into their office. It was stacked with pizza boxes this high and used Coke cans. I walked in and they said, well, we want to show you something new. It's called Yahoo. This is the way Dave and Jerry were solving a problem they saw, which was the Internet was expanding so fast that they and their friends wanted to keep track of interesting websites. So they showed me a demo. And I knew the minute they showed me that their favorite pizza parlor would take orders on the World Wide Web that the Web was going to change our world. And sure enough, it has. You know, two young guys, Larry Page, Sergey Brin, sitting there thinking about internet search. There are already internet search engines out there. You can go out on the web and use them. They were built by great people. They work pretty well. Two young guys saying, well, maybe we can do better. And that uninhibited, that willingness of a young person to rethink how a problem was solved, rethink how we approach it changed the world. Because it led to Google, a great search engine, and a a company that's done phenomenally well and changed the world. I was fascinated to see recently that the best way to predict flu outbreaks in the United States is to go on Google. Because more people use Google when they get flu to find out what they should do to take care of their symptoms. So it predicts flu outbreaks two weeks before the National Center for Disease Control knows there are a flu outbreak. Look how we've changed the world. But I think we're also changing the world using innovation to solve big problems. Take the fundamental question of how we think about our natural resources in this country. How do we use our land and our water? Well, there's a great project led by one of our faculty members, Gretchen Daly, thinking about how you think about natural resources and their value to us. This kind of thinking, this project called the Natural Capital Project, has saved the city of New York hundreds of millions of dollars by preserving watershed and using the natural ability of the land to filter water, as opposed to building filtration plants that would have cost a billion dollars. It's a completely different way of thinking. Or a class at Stanford called Entrepreneurial Design for Extreme Affordability that encourages students to think about designing products which save lives and make lives better in developing countries, in the poorest countries around the world. Examples of projects they've had? A scheme for building a low-cost baby incubator for $25 that can save low birth weight babies who are born in countries far removed from medical care. Or a project to improve drip irrigation that allows farmers to use drip irrigation thereby preserving fresh water and making more effective use of it. Or a project to design a new solar lantern that can be used in small villages that don't have access to electricity. It's that kind of innovative thinking that is going to change our world. We face a lot of problems out in the world. We have to think about them with a new mindset. We've got to approach them differently. You're going to participate and have the chance to participate in a global innovation tournament. I want you to think outside the box. Think about new approaches to problems. Think differently. Who knows? One of you may solve one of the great problems we face around the world. Good luck in the tournament and have a great time. Thank you. Let's bring out Chameleonair and QD3. Come on, let's hear it from you. I That's the most fun I've ever had at one of these seminar series. Thank you for making my day. So Tina's going to carry on from here and uh, have at it.
0: Great. Super. So um, I have a question. Make saving money fun. Is that something that you guys have to do?
1: Absolutely. I mean,
0: you know, tell us about how being frugal and resourceful is part of what you do.
2: But I think that when we first did our first film on Tupac, you know, Our distributor was like, well, you know, we can only give you a certain amount of budget money for marketing and for the production because you've never done films before. And um, so we were like, cool, we were really passionate about doing something. You know, Tupac was a friend of mine, so I wanted to do something on his life that solidified his legacy. So we moved ahead and did the production, and then when it came time to market it, um, we had such minimal marketing dollars that I basically went out onto the Internet on my own and just went into chat rooms and was talking to... uh, you know, fans of Tupac on Tupac sites and stuff, and really just sharing my excitement about the project and having work with him and telling stories about our history and stuff like that. And a lot of those conversations sort of spread virally. And um, before you know it, you know, the project was released and it went multi-platinum and did really well. So I think that um, what that proved to us is that you don't necessarily, if you have a personal connection with your audience and you're speaking right to the core demo um, in an authentic way that connects with them, I think that's almost better sometimes than buying a billboard on Sunset Boulevard or something like that. So I think in that sense, you know, we've continued that tradition of just doing a lot of organic marketing, like with our um, Little Wayne movie that we're about to put out now. Same thing. You know, we go to the fan sites that are really interested in his content, and there's a lot of sites that need content from Little Wayne, exclusive stuff. So you just barter, give them what they need, and for us it's great because we're reaching the core demo head-on, and, you know, why would you go and buy... You know, TV ads. If you can go straight to your audience, you know. So I think it's um, personally, I love chatting online with people anyway. That's like one of my favorite things to do. So it's it's you know,
3: it's definitely You're
0: gonna have fun. a whole bunch of new friends here.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: great. So chameleonery. I yeah. mean, how does that relate to you?
3: How y'all feeling? <laughs> I um, I ain't gonna lie. It used to be a lot more fun when I wasn't the boss. You know. <laughs> Like, when I used to just sit back and other people used to do all the work, then it used to be a lot more fun. And now that I'm in the boss position and I have to see the inner workings behind what goes on, then it takes away the fun. But the money thing still has to happen. Like, you have to make money because money makes the world go around. So you have to get creative. And with me, I've always been creative. You know, I used to do stuff like, um, like uh, before I went to Universal on my website, you know, I had like 3.5 million hits before Universal ever came, and they were wondering how I had such a big digital presence. But it's because I used to just get creative. Like I, I, I knew that I had a certain amount of fans, and um, I wanted to make myself look bigger than all my my fellow friends. So I would go film everything that they did and put it on my site, and then all their fans would come to my site, and you would look at my <laughs> site, and it looked like they were all Millionaire fans, but they weren't really. It was everybody's fans, and with me interacting with them then eventually they all became my fans. Because I used to give away, like, uh, I don't know what it was. At that time, it was like a Sega or something like that. I used to give away, like, video games and do trivia and all kind of stuff. And then when I went to Universal, I was like, um, I want to um, basically, you know, they wanted to take my domain name, Comillionaire.com, in the contract. And I was like, well, this is a deal breaker. I don't want to give it up unless you can keep it at the same standards. And I was like, well, can you do this? Can you do this? And they were like, no, we don't have the resources to do that. So I was like, what do you mean? I used to have like this little shoutcast server where we could, uh, my DJ would uh, DJ some songs and I'd be rapping and then a screen would come on and they would see us. This was like before everybody was even doing the website things. So all the other rappers used to call me a nerd cause it used to be like, you know, he's all on that internet stuff, man. He's a dweeb, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then like five million ringtones later, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's yes, like. Right. So, I mean, you just got to be creative. I always did stuff like that. That's what made it fun. Like, to this day, I still interact with a lot of fans on my farm board. I know it's not typical of a rapper, but, you know, they give you all kind of crazy ideas. They make graphics for me, all kind of stuff like that. And then they don't really, they just want a free shirt every now and then, you know?
0: Well, so do you, do, let me ask you, do, do both of you, do you consider yourself entrepreneurs? I mean, this is what we teach you. We teach entrepreneurship and high-tech entrepreneurship. I mean, from talking to you backstage, you guys are really high-tech, and maybe you're entrepreneurs too. Do you see yourself that way?
2: I, mean, I got into hip-hop as a, as a breakdancer, you know what I mean? And I just loved the culture to begin with. And, you know, starting as a breakdancer at 14, that led me to making records with Tupac and Alicuji and all these different people, uh, making films, and now we're doing video games, and, and we're about to launch a few sites. You know, So I think that if you're passionate about something and you want to be the best at it, you, know, you never know where that can take you. So I've become an entrepreneur in the process. I started out as more of an artist and then in the process you know, became an entrepreneur for sure. And I think the entrepreneurial spirit is really strong in hip hop. Like If you look at a lot of these guys didn't even finish high school, um, Jay-Z, 50 Cent, whoever else, and you know, now they're multimillionaires and they have liquor brands and clothing brands and all these different things. So I think there's a certain drive Like, even working with Tupac, like, he'd be in the studio and record five songs a day effortlessly, you know? And then at night, he would go and uh, record a movie and then come back to the studio the same night, you know what I mean? So it was just that there's a certain drive that I think um, really adds to the entrepreneurship with a lot of the rappers, you know?
3: With with me, it was kind of the same way, you know? I was the artist at first, and then you kind of, you know, start having to take the entrepreneur kind of standpoint, like... um, you know, I had to learn a lot of stuff quick. Like, basically, even when I used to sell mixtapes out of my trunk, you know, I used to just uh, pass a CD to somebody and then they would just walk past me like to the end of the parking lot and throw it on the ground. And then I'd be like, man, you know, selling a whole bunch of CDs out of the trunk and then I had to learn how to sell independent records. And then once I learned that, then I started hanging around people and I was advancing quicker than them. Like I used to be hanging around my friends and they'd just be like, you know, sitting there chilling, chilling, You know, and I I used to hate that. Like when you ask somebody, like, "What are you doing?" I'm chilling. Like, why are you chilling? Like, let's let's do something. Let's 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 make something. And all my friends was always like that. So then I just started like kind of just leaving them and started just you know studying stuff. Like I used to be in school and I used to just be mad because I wanted to learn quicker. Like everybody that's in school always says that they'd be like you know, well, why do I need to learn this? I used to be like that because I used to be like, man, not because I didn't want to learn, I just don't want to learn this. I want to learn this so I can use it and get out of here real quick and get into the real world, you know, and I always used to be like that. And then when I got into the major world, which is Universal Records, it's like a whole other world. You had to learn business really quick because perfect example, like, you know, I always used to order, like, I used to take a photo shoot. It cost me $10,000 to do a photo shoot. 10,000. I'm like, wow, these better be some wonderful looking pictures, right? <laughs> so, you know, I, they send me all these 400 pictures. I'm going through them. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that shot. I like that shot. I'm going to get that shot too. And then they only give me like four of them. And I have to stretch four images for a whole year with my album promotion. And I'm like, why do I only get four images when I paid $10,000 and I saw 400? I found out to touch up one photo cost $700. To touch up one photo cost $700, so I got three of them, it's 2100 right. and I have to pay that back. So now I started learning business real quick, because when your check comes and there's nothing on it, then you're like, why, where's my check? Oh, you bought 100 pictures, and that's where your platinum check went to. Yeah. So I was like, nah, I started learning everything really quick, and then I, you know, I went to see my money, and you, you kind of have to, and that's why a lot of artists are starting to become businessmen. They're starting to own their publishing and stuff like that. You kind of have to, you know?
2: Yeah, and I think that, you know, labels don't necessarily want you to be educated on those issues. So I think a lot of people learn the hard way the first time around, yeah. and then they get it all together, you
3: know, and you learn, like you said, by necessity, basically. Yeah, definitely have to. You have to be, you know, somebody that really, really wants to learn. Like, the people that don't get, that want, don't want to learn get left in the past. Like, there's a lot of major label companies. You know, the, the majors is, what, what'd you call them? Like you said, the, uh, not the giant, like the, the David and the Goliath, you know? Yep. They're, they're Goliath, and they feel like they're this big company, and, you know, there's other smaller companies that are learning quicker, they're being more innovative, and they're passing these guys up, you know? Yep. Like, I go in these major labels, and they got, like, these basic HTML websites, and it doesn't do anything. And I'm, like, looking at it, like, show dates, and it has, like, show dates from 1996. Yep. And I'm, like, <laughs> who's paying for bandwidth on this? You know what I mean? Like, who's wasting their money? And yep. they'll be, like, it's, like, a lot of times they don't get it. And then you'll talk to this little 17-year-old kid, and he just understands everything. Yep. He's, like, talking to you about all kind of stuff. Like, you go into a rapper conference, and talk to them about widgets and everybody's like yep widget what is that
0: well so so let's build on that how is the changing technology this evolving technology I mean, we've got a lot of students in this room who've got a lot of technical expertise how does the do the things that they're designing and developing affect the music industry these days i think
2: to his point about the majors is that you know for a long time the majors had a dictatorial marketing approach so the only way for you to find out if the record was good was to actually buy it, and you know when the internet came, you know all of a sudden records would leak, people would have access to distribute their own records, and the power that the labels had, you know, ten years ago, say, was exactly that—it was a route to market basically. And now that anybody can get on YouTube and basically create their own TV channel, you know, that power is gone. So. Um, so I think that technology has really leveled the playing field in a lot of ways, you know. So I think it, it allows every single person in the world to be an entrepreneur, and that's really what I love about the whole notion of that it's a free platform. So like, if you want to become a TV producer, you can start on YouTube for no cost, and it's basically like using these digital platforms. I coined a term for it is e-hustling, basically, and it's available to anybody, you know. And I think it's going to be a, a great sort of equalizer in the industry, and also for you know communities that. Um, may not have the necessary revenue to to finance a little studio or whatever else. They can just go online and use um, Internet solutions, and I think it's amazing. And I think we're going to see, like, the urban community, like, when you gave them the turntable, the turntable was designed to just play records with, and you give it to the urban community, and they flip it all up and scratch with it and all that kind of stuff, and I think that type of innovation is going to happen in technology also, where, you know, as technology becomes a little bit more simplified online, you know, the urban community, I think, is really going to come through and twist it up in some way and innovate and, and, and you know, find innovative revenue streams and all that kind of thing, so. So, Chameleon you
0: know, we've got, uh, obviously, the internet has had a huge effect on distribution and, you know, reaching the audience in a much more effective way. What, any other technology that you're, I know, you, you're, you're spending a lot of time learning these tools. You know, what are the things you're most excited about that's available now and things you're hoping in the future?
3: I thought you were gonna call me out about Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: out there, too. Yeah, everybody now it. knows about that, yeah.
3: yeah, I know. Twitter should have a lot of people scared, though, because, like, say, for instance, you have a publicist and you pay her like 20000 or something crazy. Now you can just tell everybody instantly, it's like, wait a second, well, I need you, you know? <laughs> you know? I know? No disrespect to my publicist, because I don't know if she's gonna see that, you know, but um, she does a good job. But. Um, now' nah, it's like, you know, having a direct connection with the audience that you're trying to reach. You know, I, it, it isn't, it, it, you not even if you're a rapper, you could be like, you know, with um, Walgreens or Walmart, you know, everybody has an audience and you have to try to capture it, you know? So your audience starts building and then you can directly communicate with them. So why, like, it, it cuts out all the middleman stuff. And I think that's the beautiful thing of it. Like, to me, like, I get scared when I see stuff like Twitter, like there's a lot you could do. Like I have real stalkers and they can get any information they want on Twitter, and a lot of people don't even realize how you can actually be on there, and you can look at somebody else's whole stream. Like, a lot of people still don't even realize that, and that's scary because it will be certain people I won't respond to on purpose because I know if I do, everybody's gonna look at the conversation and see what they said, but, you know, just looking at this, and technology is just taking you know my world somewhere to where like i feel like i'm leaving a lot of people because like I, me and him started going to tech conferences right and i used to be mad because it, this is a whole another world like what do you call it the bubble it's like another bubble and in my world is is different and when i came over here mc hammer was the only one that was like going to tech conferences and i said man i'm gonna have beef with mc hammer when i see him And i saw mc hammer i was like man how come you didn't tell all us rappers that this is going on uh-huh. and he had kind of had the same gripes that i did nobody really wanted to learn this stuff. To them, it's kind of like, you know, dorky. But Or Big Brother, you know. Yeah, yeah, but this is like, to me, it's like impressive. I wish I had an opportunity to be in a class like this or school like this and be learning a- ahead of everybody else because these are the people that's going to create the next Twitter. I saw the Twitter people at a tech conference, and I was like, um, you know, they were telling me about it, like, people want less, you know. You know, if you, your cat eats some cat food, you could say, my cat's eating cat food. And I was like man, p- I think people want more. I don't think it's going to work. And then later on, it was like, oh, man, I should have got their contacts so I could get verified. You know? so, <laughs> Well, I you know. think I
0: checked the other day, and you had like 174,000 followers. So you're kind of OK. I'm following it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let me ask you, you, know, you talk about you know, the traditional model as you know, having you know, a marketing person and a strategy person and a publicist. Who's on your team these days? I mean, who do you think is most important to have in your inner circle to make you successful?
2: I think in terms of music, and maybe even film, I think that the whole paradigm is shifting. So whereas, you know, back in the day, if you look at music, you know, you had a drummer, a singer, a guitar player, and a saxophonist or whatever, right? I think, you know, moving forward, we're probably going to need some additional members. So you might need a, a merch designer, um, a viral marketer, uh, an application designer, so that everything you do has sort of a look and feel that, that you own. and. Um, so I could definitely see the configuration of, of the team changing drastically. And, you know, as record sales are declining, um, a lot of the revenue is coming from live shows um, and especially merch, you know what I mean? So I think that you know, adding those members as part of your team and, and creating a look and feel for your band that only your, your band has, I think definitely is probably going to be a model of the future. You know, so that your merch line is like part of your whole rollout, so it's just as important as your video. You know, And when you do applications, they have a certain sensibility to them that only your team can create. And I think that's what's missing from the record industry right now. Um, labels have one team that does all the different groups that they work with, so everything looks and feels the same. So I think um, you know, I think just changing the const- constellation and creating pods that are unique to each group um, should at least be part of the future. I'd like to see it because it would add you know, sort of a, a breath of fresh air to the industry.
3: Yeah, people that do, like, digital media and stuff like that, and, you know, social network marketing, to me, those are people that make everything, you know, run, you know, like, perfect example, like, Lil Wayne is probably one of the biggest rap artists. He sold a million first week and everything. I was talking to him earlier, I was like, does he have a website? Like, I couldn't even think of one Lil Wayne website, like, as big as he is, and then I've never even seen a Lil Wayne DVD. I've never seen one, as big as he is, you know, so he's actually putting one out, I think... (laughs) that would be pretty big to see that because, like, content is king. People just want content. There's all these social networks, blogs, and people are just, their attention spans are short, and they want to see everything that they can in a short period of time, and you just have to feed them. And, you know, the majors, for a while, when we say majors, I mean, like, you know, the major record companies, they were kind of, like, bottling up stuff. Like, no, we're only going to give them this, or, you know, even a lot of the stuff that's coming back to bite them now is, like, they were, you know, all these companies, uh, Google or iTunes or whoever came to them, in the beginning and they didn't want to do deals with them they tried to shut them all down and then next thing you know they became the big dogs and now they're like trying to figure out how to capture their content you know what i mean there's some little kid who has a website somewhere and he's making more money off of little wayne than they are probably you know online because he's got this file sharing you know internet website and he's doing all kind of stuff with it he's got ads up there and all kind of stuff so i think the people that are able to capture the content, you know, like people like him that actually, you know, get Lil Wayne behind the scenes, and, you know, people still pay for that. They still pay for the touring aspect. They still pay to see the the brand. If you can capture that and sell it, monetize it, those are the people that's gonna make, you know, my industry go around, you know?
2: That's a good point because I think that, you know, if the entry point to uh, the record business before was a distributor, now that those platforms are ubiquitous, I think that, you know, a web designer might be more valuable to somebody, you know, like Lil Wayne or a filmmaker who can tell and translate his story in a compelling way that makes people fall in love with him as an indiv- individual and basically purvey his messages and who he is as a person in a way that makes people believe in him versus just a hit single, you know. So I think radio is, is probably going to slowly die off. And I think that, you know, having a personal connection, like you were saying, and just going direct online and putting a web designer and a filmmaker on your team, add that to the band, you know, and you've got a whole different sort of entry point to the industry. And I think that's really a compelling notion because, you know, film, if you look at the records that sold the most in the last 20 years, Purple Rain, you know, Eminem's record uh, when he did his movie, all those were like multi-million, multi, multi-million sellers. And I think a big reason is because when you add visuals to things, it just makes it a more compelling offering o- overall. So you're not just dealing with audio, but it's visual and you can wrap yourself around that you know, artist. You and... know how
3: many arguments I have to have with my record company? Like, when they're trying to book travel, I'll be like, well, I have to, like, my cameraman has to go with me no right. matter what. And right. they don't appreciate his work And I have to give him all these other titles and stuff just to get him to come with me, you know what I mean? Like he's my assistant, he's everything, you know what I'm saying? So they'll at least pay for him. And then, you know, we'll do a music video, and they won't have nobody there shooting no B-roll or nothing, but he'll have all the content, and then guess what? They call, like, hey, you think we get some of that video footage? But you you know, like, nah, you
1: can't get
2: that. <laughs> and the great thing about that is they're leaving money on the table for smaller companies, you know, and right now, the only profitable record labels are the indies right now, and they're people that are using the web primarily as their, as their uh, marketing vehicle, so go figure, you know?
0: Well, so let's, think- let's build on that. What is your business model? I mean, you know, as an entertainer these days, you know, we know that the, the really evolving ways in which you look at how you monetize what you're doing. So how do you think about that? Do you, do you think about your business model?
3: Um, with me, it's crazy because I'm in the business of making money, but I, don't, I, had a, I had a song called In Love With My Money when I first came out with, um, when I was independent. And all the fans used to think that I was just so in love with my money, but I really wasn't, you know what I mean? Because, you know, sometimes you can want to make so much money so bad that you're just greedy. Like, every dollar is not a good dollar. Like, sometimes it's about morals. Sometimes it's about authenticity. Sometimes it's about other things, but in the end, you end up making money by not doing it, if that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Like, perfect example, like, there's, I probably got offered, like, seven times to do reality shows, you know what I mean? And I turned down seven of them, but, but it's because I felt it wasn't authentic to my brand and who I was. But I could have took that money. But right now, if I walked up here, a lot of y'all probably be laughing at me because, you know, <laughs> some, sometimes people just do the craziest things for money. So, you know, with me, it's all about being authentic and then being, you know, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. Like, uh, when I went to Universal, they actually were going to give my deal to somebody else. And it was a big company that I used to be on. And they said, well, we're gonna give this deal to them, so why should we give this deal to you? You want a partnership deal with us and not a normal artist deal, why should we give you this? And I said, what I told them is, I said, okay, look, I know everything about selling mixtapes. I know almost everything about selling independent records and I have a, a track record to prove it. If you told me right now to go to China, Baghdad, Shanghai, everywhere, and told me to sell records, I probably wouldn't know what to do, but I'm smart enough to know that I don't know what to do and to, who to get. You know what I mean? So I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and I fill in on the weaknesses. I delegate duties to other people. So if you were to give me that money, I would know who to get, I would know who to do. And I started giving them examples of this and they're like, whoa, whoa, maybe this guy's smarter than we think. And then later on, they told me after the conversation, they were like, when you leave New York, you're gonna be signing Universal Records and i was like yeah all right, whatever you know what i'm saying <laughs> and then i left i tried to leave and then i was coming out of my hotel and the, you know r was sitting there like "Nah, where you going where you going you know and they actually like went through the whole process and you know my lawyer called me and he was like you know what did you say to him and i was like man i just told him everything everybody told me not to tell him <laughs> and then he was like you know man this is the best the biggest first time offer i've ever seen for a new artist and i was like wow for real and then Uh, You know, later on, I left and went to Puerto Rico to this Mix Show Power Summit, and Universal was up there, and there's all these record labels in there, and some guy from Universal gets up there and goes, you know, Universal Records would like to announce we just signed Houston Artist Chameleon Air, and I'm like, what? Everybody's congratulating, and they're all happy. I'm so mad, because I'm, like, looking at my account on my phone, and I'm like, the money ain't went in my account yet, so how y'all sign me? And I was like, man, it better be in there in the morning, and, you know, they always say it's a you know, it takes seven days, we have to process it. Man, in the morning, I looked at my account, it was like zero, 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 zero. I was like, oh, snap. And then I was like, wow, you know, so business of being authentic worked for me, you know what I mean?
0: Well, Obviously, you, know, you sign all these deals, and you're selling CDs, you're selling music. What about concerts? What about merchandise? Are, are these really important parts of your business model? I mean, how do, you, how do you break up how you are generating revenue of these different channels? Is that something you guys think
3: about? Me and him just now talked about it. We're still trying, like we just now started talking about this before we got up here. Like, man, maybe me and you should do something together. You know what I mean? Exactly. We're making business deals while we're here, but it's because like, you know, I could have probably made a lot more off of merchandising and stuff like that. But like I was telling him earlier, I said, you know, there's people that actually, you know, I'll go to a merchandising company and they have the biggest thing. They have like all these shirts. They are scalable. They can ship to everywhere in India. But then I'll be like, okay, well, let's look at the creative. And then they'll have a t-shirt, and it'll be just square, and it'll be, like, my face on it. And I'm like... Why do I want to sell something with my face on it? I wouldn't wear my face. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> like,
3: not that I ain't pretty or nothing, but I'm just—I
1: yeah. wouldn't
3: wear that. And I was like, let's do something to where anybody that doesn't know me is gonna want to wear it. You know what I mean? They're gonna—they're gonna—you know—embrace it, and that person can be promoting for me. And a lot of them would be like, oh no, we don't have the capability to do that. We kind of just upload a picture, and and I'm—it's this is big corporation, so I, I wouldn't do the deal with them. And then it'd be somebody that understands my creative part, but they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to do it, so I was just like, man, I need somebody that can... I'd rather not do that deal until I find somebody that can do it right. I believe in just doing it right. You know, me and him been kind of talking about that, you know?
2: Yeah, I think now, nowadays it's about, you know, starting every project with a multi-platform rollout in mind. So you think about your live show, you think about your potential TV play, um, music play, obviously, and then maybe there's a creative application that you can use as the hub for all this, or a website, you know, where you create a community around each project, you know. So that's how we do things when we're, like, with Little Wayne, for instance, we have an iPhone app. Um, we're creating a microsite for it. And everything is about building communities around it so that you can basically direct market to the people who care the most, and then they can help you spread the word. So I think it's, it's creating projects um, where each platform focuses on the unique functionality of, of, of each platform, I mean, where each play focuses on the unique functionality of the platform. So if you're doing a mobile play, what's the unique functionality that a mobile phone has that you can create a standalone opportunity with, you know? So I think that that's, you know, how to probably look at it from here on. Instead of treating it like a record that we're then going to send out to all these other outlets the same way, you know, treat each platform like it's its own project, you know, and then make each platform synergize with the next. I think that's really what the majors still... Probably need to figure out at this point is how do you tie it all together synergistically instead of having everything separate? Great answer. The
3: business model's changed too because, like, you know, the average person might have a blueprint of what they think they're supposed to make money off this this, distance and that, but so many other people can come in with ideas that you weren't even thinking about. Like, I always use fans. Like, I had the fans naming my album, I had them doing everything, but you can learn so much from them that, you know, like one time I did a contest, I was like, okay, I want. I'm looking for creative, innovative people. I want to see who can think up the best idea for this. And, like, kids were sending me emails about iPhone apps and stuff. I was just looking at them, and I was like, wow. I, like, called my lawyer, like, hey, man, what do I got to do to to do business with this dude to where he doesn't sue me, you know what I mean? And then he was like, well, you got to get, you know, so I'm like, instead of just taking this kid's idea, I was like, I want you to keep on coming with more ideas like that, and let's do business on this idea. It might be somebody 17 years old in Waco, Texas. You know, the lawyers will tell me, oh, you can't do that because you have to be over 18. and We'll figure it out, you know what I mean? But they'll come up with so much stuff, and the reason why that works, it just created a whole new revenue for me because I, that I didn't know exists because this is the person that's actually the consumer that's using that stuff. Like, they have all the apps. They're the ones testing it. I, I don't have the time. So they told me all the good and bad things about every app and what's not good. And what, so he kind of did all the market research for me already and they'll just send it to me in a nice email, and I'm just reading it, like, wow, this is genius, so I kind of use people, like, I think that's what uh, Majors lost, they, they always shove a song down your throat instead of asking you what you think, you know, like, you might love, uh, whatever, Hinder, or One Republic, or whatever, they'll give you one option, and this is the single, and they're forced to that radio, instead of giving you an option, and then that's why the album comes out, and everybody picks the song that they like, you know, I think people need to do more of that, like, interact with people, like, when you go to uh, tech conferences, yeah. there's all these people and they're, like, in competition with each other, but you never know, it could be one company that could work with another and they can gel together and they might be yeah. able to build Voltron, you know? Yeah. So.
2: No, I think that's, that's a great point. I mean, I would say 90% of, of, of the feedback that I take on our content, even when we're creating ideas and formulating them, come from just regular users online, you know, because they're the ones who understand the market the best Um, they're the people we're serving, you know, and a lot of, I'll have a lot of conversations with them, you know, in chat rooms and forums and Twitter, wherever else, and I incorporate that feedback almost more than I do with my in-house producers, you know, (laughs) because um, their sensibilities are right on point, and those are the people we're serving, and obviously that's who we want to please with the content, so in terms of fielding ideas, um, taking feedback from them, we take that really serious, and I think that the majors, in a lot of ways, they still look at it like we're the dictators and we tell you what you're going to like and that sort of thing. And I think um, I think the more humble you can be about the creative process and realize that you know, they probably know better than you at this point, um, I think you know, the better off they'll be. And I think that's really probably the biggest hurdle for the majors right now is they're trying to bring it back to the dictatorial way. You know? But like I said, you can't buy your way in the markets as easy today as you could before. You could run the greatest ad in the world... for a car, or what have you, or a record, or whatever, and then people go on Facebook and be like, how is it? (laughs) And if the response is negative, that's it. They trust their peers more than they trust an ad, so it's a no-brainer, really.
0: So I'm curious, where do you see the biggest opportunities for innovation in the music industry? I mean, here we've got all these innovators in the audience, what do you want them to invent for you?
2: Hmm, I'll tell you, (laughs) one one, uh, area that I think is really compelling, um, you know, as a producer, as a music producer, um, everything that you want to do, whether it's auto-tune or pitching a song up and down or whatever else, it all happens through applications in either like a sequencer program or an audio recording program. So I was trained to basically think like plugins and apps and, uh, to, to, to get anything accomplished. So I think that uh, one area that really interests me is we have this huge library of, of video footage of Tupac and Lil Wayne and 50 Cent and all these people. And um, I think it's really interesting to sort of leverage applications against content and create hybrids. Sort of what JibJab is doing, where you can insert yourself into somebody else's content. Because you know, the problem when you look at YouTube right now is that they're basically a server company in a lot of ways. So um, a lot of the content isn't necessarily high quality. But if you give people high quality content to play with, and then they can sort of interact with that content, you know, by default, you're going to have a celebrity in the piece. By default, there's going to be high quality shots there. And you can find creative ways to allow users to mash that up even if it's a template that makes it really simple, like Jab, I think that's really interesting because then it's like you could give them one clip of Tupac saying something and then they can interact with that and 2,000 different people can create 2,000 different pieces that are all really funny. You know, so I think that's the whole application content hybrid is, is really compelling to me. Very cool. Yeah. Um,
3: I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know what to tell anybody to make, you know. I like, I want people that's thinking way ahead of me, you know. There's people that, like, there's a lot of things that the music industry uses that weren't necessarily made for the music industry that end up being beneficial for us you know um but i think uh you know you go to these conferences and meet all these innovative people and they say stuff and at the time you might be thinking like man i don't know what this guy's on but later on it might be something you know like uh like the example i gave you about twitter and then you know there's people that 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 you know but i, I you do have to understand the audience though because sometimes you'll get so stuck in this idea that you have and it'll be the best thing to you and then just people don't embrace it. Like at the end, they have to embrace it somehow. It might not be today, but sometime they're gonna have to. And if you've been doing something for a hundred years and you've never got any good feedback, You might wanna move on to something else, you know what I mean? Might wanna move on to something else. Like if I was doing rap, like I I always knew I'd be successful. I put out a song telling everybody I knew I'd be successful. They asked me, how did you know you'd be successful? I'd say, because I knew that if I was doing something that I wasn't successful at, I would move to something else. Like if I was doing rap, like I tried to be a basketball player. It ain't work, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, you know, I got cut, I moved on to something else and then I started doing it and it, it started working for me and I didn't necessarily think I was gonna be a rapper but then it ended up working, and I used that to step to other things. And now, when people see me show up at these tech conferences and stuff, they're looking like, man, what, what is the rapper doing here? Like, I'm not trying to learn like them, you know? And I think, uh, you know, in, in my opinion, just the people at these conferences and the people that, you know, are trying to create something and build something and make something are, are the people that's gonna be leaders of our economy, and I wanna hang around with people like that. They might say something that I have no idea, what you're talking about, but that's the person I want because you just taught me something. Not somebody that every time we talk about something, it's, I already know that, like, I want to learn something. So that's yeah. the people in the audience. Hopefully everybody, somebody in here will be the winner yeah. of this, yep. and then uh, I'll steal the idea. And, you know.
0: great, great, well, you, you came to the right place to learn something. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to end, we've just got a few more minutes, and I recently just learned about, you, know, you guys do a lot of things that um, have a big positive social impact. And I know, Cutie, you just showed me a video the other day about this, your 5MK um, project. And it so ties into what we're trying to do with the Innovation Tournament. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, so we're basically, um, I'm working with this uh, person named uh, John Hope Bryant, and he is the uh, financial literacy advisor to the president. And we have this program called 5 Million Kids, and basically we're trying to educate 5, five million kids on financial literacy, you know, because um, it's... It's, it's a basic skill that most people, certainly in the inner cities, just don't have, you know? And you see a lot, of, a lot of, you know, certainly a lot of urban artists come into a lot of money and then two years later, you know, it's, it's all gone. So we're basically trying to educate them and use hip-hop artists to sort of make it sexy, you know? So the whole campaign, the name of the, the slogan for the campaign is Making Smart Sexy. And I'm the digital chair for it, so my piece is basically to um, encourage them to learn how to e-hustle, basically. And um, and learn how to use these digital platforms not only to, to learn accounting, but you know we're we're teaching them how to create iPhone applications, you know. And I think that um, it's just such a missing piece certainly for the urban demographic, but even at large, you know, most people don't have that, that as a foundation. So
0: great.
2: And I think that you know with every project that we do, like even the beef series that has to do with feuds and hip hop, there's always an underlying mission. Like my father always taught me. That, you know, if you have an underlying mission that's positive, that's for more than just, more benefit than just for yourself, you know, you'll have that extra strength when you need it, you know, and it'll allow you to continue and and fight harder when the times get rough or whatever. And so with each film that we do, you know, we always sort of try to insert history or some type of end goal um, that people may not recognize it when they're watching it as an overt sort of teaching method. But then once you've watched the whole film, you'll draw certain conclusions that I think are beneficial in a lot of ways. So showing things in context and leading them to a certain way of thinking after they've watched a certain film. You know, so like with Beef, for instance, you know, we show not just the problem issue uh, with these two artists feuding or whatever, but we also show the resolution. And a lot of
3: times on MTV, you don't get that, you know? Oh, hold up. I was, yeah. He might not even know this, but he had a Beef series and he put up, like, what was it playing? It was playing everywhere on TV, right? Yeah. was playing on all these channels and it was getting real big and he put out a dvd called beef and i ended up being on one because i had a feud with my former partner so it was like the whole story of the whole beef thing right and i was like what who is this guy qd3 i'm about to shut him down (laughs) so i called my lawyer and i was like yeah man we need to shut this guy down i need i need all of them off the shelves and then he sent me back this this list of like it was like some technical stuff or reasons why he could do what he did and i was like wow like he basically put together like it was some kind of public, I don't know what it was, but I was like, that's when I had that much more respect for him because I was like, wow. And then after talking to him, he explained why he does you know, yeah. certain things. Like, I was like, why would we, you know, you're doing this beef DVD and you got me and my boy arguing and showing that, but he, like, explain how you said that that kind of, you remember that? What's that? You might not remember, but it was like, you know, um, you know I, I felt like it was like negative energy, and but he needed that to get in the door to bring all this other stuff. Because you know, it's kind of like with reality oh, shows.
2: Exactly. I mean, you know, the funny thing is that actually through that series, um, we've actually ended more beasts than anything else. Nothing has actually come out of that. But a lot of times, you know, people don't know what the other person is thinking, and a lot of times they get into feuds because of um, a misunderstanding or miscommunication. So there's been about four incidents with you know major artists where they called me up and they were like, you know what? Um, you just showed me that behind-the-scenes interview with the person I'm feuding with. And, you know, just tell them it's cool, man. I didn't know they felt that way, and it's all good. So, yeah. you know, and a lot of times it's actually helped build bridges. So it's, I think showing it in context helps, you know. Who else is, is going
3: to do that? I show. think for me it's more like seeing both of us up there arguing. You know, like, right. what's that saying? Two fools arguing from a distance, both look right. like fools or something like that. Like, that's kind of how I felt. I was like, oh, man, they're showing me on TV arguing. <laughs> right. I was like, man, I, I got to quit all this nonsense, you know what I mean? Right. But so, that, hey yeah so you did good good.
0: okay so we are out of time but i'm hoping that you guys can say one sentence as motivation to get all these folks involved with helping with this mission of making saving money fun anything you can help us give a pitch what's that can we help give a pitch you guys should all get involved this is gonna be amazing it's gonna be incredible gonna help me out here
3: oh uh yeah i want to say you know good good luck with everything and um You know embrace this moment you know how you can just live in life and just go through life and not really pay attention to the moment like this moment you're in like i wonder if barack who's the president of the united states right now remembers the moment when he was in an auditorium just like this you know what i mean like i know that sounds a little too deep or something but you know what i'm saying like i'm one of them people that forget every i forgot all my moments you know what i mean so like this moment that you're in this could be the changing point of your career right now your life your whatever, you know, like you could leave here today inspired and end up doing something that's going to be later on, I'm going to be reading in some magazine Forbes about you, like, man, I wish I could be like him, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, you need to embrace that moment. You know, whatever you're doing, take it real seriously. Like, I know, like, that sounds like some, you know, public service announcement, stay in <laughs> school and, you know, learn and be smart. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you're going to put stuff on your, and you're going to put stuff on your uh, website, the winning one. Yeah. Right. Okay. They,
2: uh, one thing and I uh, just wanted to add to that that I think that, um, you know, from everything that we're seeing right now, we talk about this all the time. You know, I think that it's the individual today that has the bigger shot at doing something huge than really the majors. You know, we talk about that all the time. Like, they're doing pretty much everything wrong if you're looking at the next 10 years or the next 20 years, you know. And I think that anybody in this room has the opportunity to come up with a, a more innovative, smarter, more cost-effective approach, and I think that's really where it's at. It's all about innovation and connectivity and organic sort of connectivity with whoever you're marketing to or trying to serve, and I think that's something that the majors haven't really caught onto yet, and while this window is here, like he said, take advantage of it, because you guys really, really, I mean, one person they could take now through technology platforms become could become the next innovator or Steve Jobs or whatever, and Steve Jobs is who I look up to, you know. I don't, I have a few uh, music idols, but I read Steve Jobs' book, Icon, and it just put me on a whole different path, man. It changed my whole life, man, you know. So I think, um, really, there's a lot of room, you know. Steve Jobs, he did his thing right now, and he's, I think there's room for, for, yeah, for just more people like him who are basically disrupting entire industries like Spotify. Are you guys familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. It's a new music (laughs) service. You know, two guys in the garage can come up with with stuff like that. And I think that's really what's interesting now is just completely tearing down everything that we've known, you know, in the past in terms of the entertainment industry and maybe even technology also and just starting from scratch and looking at things from a completely different perspective.
0: Exactly. Look at things from a different perspective. So let's give these guys a huge round of applause.